You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. everyone and welcome to another episode of our Calms Talk podcast. My name is Ashlyn Callahan, and I am one of the service user participation needs for Bedfordshire and Using Calms. Thank you for joining us today. This afternoon's podcast is all about dialectical behavioural therapy, which might not mean a lot to some of you. <laughs> and that's the reason that we wanted to record this podcast because It's something that more and more of our CAMS clinicians are learning about, more and more of our young people are experiencing. So we wanted to demystify what dialectical behavioural therapy or DBT actually is and what it can support young people with and talk about some of the experiences from a professional's perspective and from a young person's perspective. So today I'm joined by Sue Hollingsworth. Sue, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Sue Hollingsworth and I'm a CAMS practitioner in the emotional behavioural team working in Bedford. Lovely, thank you Sue. And Chloe, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Chloe or Chloe and I'm 16 and I'm a service user. Thank you Chloe. So the first question I wanted to ask was a question for Sue. And I'd like to know from a more professional perspective, what is DBT, Dialectical Behavioural Therapy, and and what does that actually mean for young people who might be perhaps on like a waiting list for it or parents and carers who have heard about it but don't really know what that is? Okay, cool. So so DBT is is a talk of... It's a type of talking therapy um, and it's set up. um, So it's a structured program that we would run, but you can also have it kind of um, engaging it on a one to one basis. So it's designed to help people who feel their emotions really intensely, who can get really overwhelmed by managing their their feelings and, and kind of maybe respond to the feelings in ways that might not be as helpful for them or in ways that they want to do so it's a skills-based program and what it does is it relies on this principle that basically everyone's doing the best that they can but that actually people might need help learning skills to help them manage their feelings in a in a more helpful way so it's broken down into kind of four different types of modules um, so we have mindfulness we have emotional regulation we have distress tolerance and we have interpersonal effectiveness and what it does is through us learning those skills it can help us to understand and accept our feelings find ways to kind of manage them and and basically to kind of develop a life that's worth living so it's this idea of dialectical is almost that two things that might look opposite can be true so often we will say you know oh I'm really I feel like this so therefore I have to do this as a way to manage it 
And it's like, okay, well, I feel really awful or this has happened, but I can find a different way. So it's, it's about two opposing things that might look like opposing sort of facts or opinions, but they can both be true. So, yeah, so we, I think we're going to talk today about kind of how we can sort of have that in a structured group for, for young people, but equally how we can learn those skills on a, on a one-to-one basis. And Sue, I'd love to know more about your interest in dialectical behavioural therapy and your kind of background and what made you want to learn a little bit more about this. Um, so I went on some training a couple of years ago about it. Um, I think as a service, we were starting to kind of train up more staff and that's continuing now more and more people are being trained in it and I think for me what I really liked was that it it comes from the as I say this place everyone's doing the best that they can you know we know when people all of us um none of us really want we don't want to feel rubbish we don't want to be struggling with our mental health we don't want to be engaging in in coping strategies that you know they might be helpful but often there's lots of kind of you know negative feelings or shame or confusion attached to to the way we might manage some of those things and what dbt did was it it kind of takes this position that says but actually we're doing what we can do right now and actually if we teach people skills to be able to manage some of those things in a more helpful way that can only be a positive thing and what it does as well is it doesn't it doesn't just say that you have to get rid of feelings. We can't get rid of our feelings. We can't just, you know, magic wand life into, you know, a Disney movie, unfortunately. Although, to be fair, Disney movies often have sad and, well, sad bits in the middle, don't they, with a happy end. Um, but um, what it does is it, it find, helps us find ways to be able to kind of accept what's happening and find ways to manage that. Um, so I really liked it. It seemed to really make sense to me. Um, there's a great opportunity to be a bit creative and a bit flexible in it um, to kind of you know I think as well it's because it's um, it's quite a long-term intervention I really like that Um, I like the fact that we are acknowledging that you know some of our young people that are you know receiving a service from CAMS you know, they, they've been finding things difficult to manage for a long time and things feel really intense. And actually, there's something quite validating about saying, but we recognise this and actually we know that this is a, an evidence-based piece of work that, that can kind of really help you build and develop those skills that you can then use through life. So it feels as though it kind of, yeah, it, it gives people, it empowers people to move on forward with their life, to use skills in different ways rather than sometimes I think, it just happening in the moment and then that's it so yeah so I I did my training really liked it was involved in the first um in a couple of groups um that we ran um over the last sort of couple of years kind of pre-lockdown um and yeah I just I think even in my individual work with young people I will often use kind of pick and choose some of the skills and the strategies but as an ethos um I I think it's I think it's really important and I think that there's there's things in it that that everybody can be using in life as well that's really really important so yeah 
Thanks, Sue. That's really interesting to hear. And that was one of the things I wanted to pick up on, actually, because I have a little bit of experience with DBT um, in a professional sense. And a lot of the skills that DBT teach seem to work for, I mean, they seem to just be useful in life for everybody. It feels like something that should be really accessible. And I was wondering what kind of young people would really benefit from accessing DBT because obviously we're uh, getting more and more CAM staff trained in DBT which suggests that it would help really help lots of young people so what kind of young people would you think would be likely to access DBT from CAMs? So I think in terms of the structured group um, so we are as um, I'm not involved in the next group but I do know that they're looking at um, running one sort of later on this year and um, what we are often looking at um sort of the criteria for that is is young people who are really struggling to regulate their emotions that are frequently being overwhelmed by how they're feeling and things that are happening and are perhaps engaging in coping strategies that might have a short-term gain in terms of relieving distress or whatever, but actually longer-term perhaps it causing more difficulties. So things like um, deliberate self-harm, suicide attempts, um, suicidal behaviour, drug and alcohol use as a coping strategy, actually even things like, um, you know, people that are perhaps, well, really anything that people are doing to avoid or manage how they're feeling in ways that perhaps longer term, as I say, are not helpful. That could be kind of excessive exercising or, you know, just constantly, you know, maintaining relationships with people that aren't good for them and, and all of those sorts of things. But I think, so that's very much where we sit in terms of kind of the structured group. But I actually think that for lots of young people it is for people who actually find their emotions really difficult to manage that you know when when you feel a certain you know when you feel overwhelmed or something happens and that ends up with you kind of not knowing how to manage those sorts of things or as I say sort of not being able to communicate your needs to people or having people kind of um help you kind of regulate yourself or manage those things I think that actually a lot of the strategies and skills in DBT can be helpful as I say for for all of us really but but for the group it's kind of people who are kind of struggling at kind of with maybe the the more frequent um high intensity coping strategies but actually I know for lots of young people I work with and have individual sessions with there's a real flavor of DBT with most people because emotions are normal they're part of us being human actually sometimes it is about being able to to ride the wave of that and um, rather than trying to avoid it or you know and and helping people find better ways to to manage that as I say where you know and um, where things are going to be better longer term not just that kind of short-term relief actually how is this going to help me longer term so yeah thanks Sue it's really helpful to get that kind of groundwork 
understanding of what DBT is before we go on to discuss it a little bit more. And we've referenced that there's four modules of skills that are discussed and learned. And I was wondering if, Chloe, you'd be happy to share some of your experiences of what it's been like as a young person learning those skills and utilising those skills? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I did uh, DBT for about a year, um, one-to-one in a one-to-one setting and um, I feel like you have to be really willing to get better to be able to um, really engage with DBT. Um, I know at the beginning when I first started DBT I was like I don't think I can do this Um, but as like it progresses and you learn more skills you learn to deal with um, your emotions as Sue was saying and I think um, DBT has really helped me that's really good to know. Um, so what skills have have you been using? Because I know you mentioned just a little while ago that you started DBT and it took you a little while to come around to thinking that this was something that was useful and achievable for you. Um, so what kind of skills swayed you and made you think, actually, I, I do want to engage with this and learn a little bit more? Um, so I feel like um, in a DBT setting, you um, tend to do the distress tolerance first. Um, so you can really get those um, un- unhelpful um, coping strategies under um, control. Um, so my favourite skills is like the self the self-soothe skills and um, the tip skills and the pros and cons um so there's quite a lot of acronyms in dbt so there's like fast dear man tip um i'm trying to think of more um so it's like if i reference something so tip is um temperature intense exercise pace breathing and I can't remember. <laughs> Neither can Sue. We're all panically looking for that extra P at the end of tip. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Sue, what save us? What is it? And, and you're right. I'd forgotten that one as well, Chloe. So um, progressive muscle relaxation. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. Chloe, do you want to tell us a little bit more about tip? So tip is one of my favourite skills, Um, specifically the temperature, because when you are in a heightened state of whatever emotion, um, you tend to become quite hot and flustered and maybe a bit clammy. So say if you're feeling panic or if you're angry. Um, So um, so trying to physically calm yourself down so um with ice or um ice water or um I know that sometimes when I get anxious I don't get hot I get really really cold so using hot water bottles instead um trying to regulate the physical side of it can help regulate the mental side of um whatever emotion you're feeling yeah so if I can add to that I think that's that's absolutely the point that Chloe's saying is that we, when we get overwhelmed by our feelings, our bodies react 
to that. We have a bodily reaction to that. And often when we are kind of overwhelmed and flooded with that kind of emotional state, there's a whole load of things going on in our brain and, and our bodies and those sorts of things. So sometimes it is about regulating your body first to then that allows you to kind of move into sort of maybe a more kind of rational thinking part of your brain. So then you can engage in some of the strategies or kind of choose behaviors or responses that are going to be more helpful for you. Because what we know when we feel really dysregulated emotionally, that's sometimes when people behave impulsively or you do something because you kind of get really flooded with everything. So absolutely the tip skills are a real kind of I think they are one of the really key skills where if we can regulate the body and like change the temperature of the body hot or cold then actually then that allows our brain to go oh things aren't as bad so now we can kind of start thinking about what kind of informed rational decision we're going to make. And that's so interesting to hear because even from a completely outsider perspective I know um I woke up yesterday and I just felt like quite overwhelmed with everything that I had to do and I've got a tiled kitchen floor so I woke up my head was buzzing I didn't know what to do first I came downstairs and I stood on it and it really cooled me down and I was immediately present again and I was like right I'm gonna make a list sort all this out um so having absolutely no idea about the tip skills but it being something that just, it just works, whether you're conscious of doing it or not. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits of discussing things like this in the podcast is that um, you might not realise that that's what you're doing, but actually the principles behind it really work. Um, I find that actually the tip skills help me more when I feel really out of it so like what Ashlyn was saying so if I'm feeling quite dissociated or um if I'm feeling quite um you know numb um then like you know splashing my face with really really cold water kind of shocks me and makes me feel something whereas because I know some people use unhealthy um coping mechanisms to um feel something so the tip skills are really useful in that way as well okay so one of the other things that I wanted to ask both of you about is that um it's really good actually so we've got obviously the perspective from a professional and the perspective from a young person but we've also got the perspective of someone who's been involved in dbt in a group setting and the perspective of someone who's been involved in one-to-one -one DBT with their therapist. Um, so Chloe, can I ask you first how you found learning the DBT skills in a one-to-one -one setting as opposed to the group? So I only did it in one-to-one. -one. Um, I find one-to-one -one better for me in any situation in life because um, I find it quite hard to socialise with other people. Um, and having one-to-one, -one, you can really, like, focus on, like, you and what you need. Um, so, yeah. And then I guess, so I have delivered some DBT on a one-to-one -one basis, but, as I say, have been involved in um, the group for the last couple of um, 
runs of the group. I guess the group's different in that, obviously, it's a group, so there's more young people. And I absolutely hear what you're saying, Chloe. I think um, groups, situations can be really overwhelming and really challenging for, for some people. Um, I think we have to look at what works for, for, for people. Um, there are some benefits to a group as well, I think, if people can, can tolerate that around kind of learning skills together, that kind of recognition that, you know, other people are experiencing similar things, um, that you're maybe not alone in those sorts of things. And um, what the group does is so you would have the group um, for an hour and a half a week, and that's where you learn your skills. So you get taught the skills in that way. And then you also have an individual session with um, one of the, the CAMS clinicians. And that's when you go through homework tasks and um, where you go through kind of what's happened in the week. How are you using the skills? How are you applying the skills and those sorts of things? And I think the other thing perhaps that's different with the group as well is that there's quite a strong parent element to it. So parents um, with the group, they have a parent group as well that runs um, fortnightly as opposed to weekly. And what it's doing is it's A, helping the parents to understand what's happening with their young people, uh, but also trying to help parents learn some skills to support their young people in a better, more helpful way. So a big part of um, DBT is this idea of validation. Part of the science behind DBT is this idea of what they call biosocial theory, uh, which is this idea that some of us are more sensitive to feeling our emotions, that some people are just really laid back in life and some of us are just more kind of sensitive and reactive to, to our emotions and things that are happening. And then when we put that alongside what we call an invalidating environment, those things can kind of come, those two things can come together and that can lead people to kind of develop unhelpful kind of strategies to manage their feelings. And when we talk about invalidating environments, we're not necessarily talking about kind of, you know, people being unkind or intentionally unhelpful. But even just some of the messages that we get in life, you know, oh, you know, you, you're three or four and you're upset because your brother's stolen your toy and you get told, oh, don't be silly, you're fine. Well, actually, at that age, it feels really catastrophic because someone's taken something that you want. So your feeling kind of gets pushed down and invalidated or it's not that important. You're being silly. Your feelings are silly. Or at schools, often we find that they are, Again, not intention, intentionally, but but often quite invalidating. Oh, come on, you know, haven't got time to be getting upset about that. Or, you know, boys don't cry, you know, girls don't do this. There's lots of rules in life that actually tell us that feelings are wrong or they're not important. That actually the only thing that we should be hankering after in life is happiness. And that's not true because feelings are you know, things that happen, they come and go. If we don't feel sadness, we can't understand what happiness is. There's all of those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, in the group, we have um, a really strong element of the, the parent work, which hopefully is helping parents to 
become more validating and to understand and respond what's to, to the skills that their children and young people are learning. Because otherwise, I think sometimes, I don't know if, if this happened to you, Chloe, but you might learn a skill one week and go home and try it out. And then sometimes we'd have people come back and go, my mum's just gone, why are you doing that? Because it's so different. So that's part of what we want to kind of help parents do as well. And I think there is a bit of a misconception around towns in that obviously our core part of work is with young people, but you can't completely detach young people from the situation that they're living in, the people that they're living with, their friends and their family. So it's really important that whatever therapies we're doing, they incorporate some work or at least inform parents and, and we work with parents and siblings to make sure that the things that we're doing with a young person in clinic time are actually useful and applicable in the rest of their lives. And one of the things that you mentioned there, Sue, is homework. And I wanted to pick up on how DBT compares to maybe some other therapies that you might be able to access through the CAM service. And uh, Chloe, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about, about your experiences of DBT and how it compares. Um, I have found that DBT has quite a lot of homework and the word homework sounds really scary. It isn't really homework. So basically the skills that you have been like taught about in a, a therapy session, you would go home and practice them and use them in your everyday life. Um, uh, DBT compares to, I've done CBT before, um, it's very, I would say it's more intense than CBT. I don't know whether anyone agrees with me. From my personal experience, I would say that for doing DBT, you have to have this like motivation to want to get better and this motivation to be actually use the skills because if you don't practice the skills, then the skills aren't going to be helpful for you. Um, and it's helped me in numerous different ways, which I've actually got written down uh, down here. So um, it's helped me manage how I react to different situations. It's helped me become able to regulate my emotions and feelings. It's helped me understand the way I feel a lot more. It has also helped me connect it um, to the way that I feel and the things that are happening in my life and how like everything's connected together it's also helped me um become less distressed so um if I do reach this kind of heightened um emotion it it, it can be stopped I can try and stop myself before it ends up getting worse and worse and worse um yeah that just sounds amazing, Chloe. <laughs> what a good advert for DVT. Uh, Sue, how does it compare for you? Um, well, first off, if I can just kind of go back to what Chloe was saying about the homework, I think you're right. Homework always feels really scary. You know, you guys are having to go to school and being, you know, hit with the homework hammer quite regularly. <laughs> Certainly kind of, you know, so I think, you know, we have to be a bit mindful that people go, whoa, but absolutely, you're right. I, I kind of liken it to, to learning a new language. You know, if if you don't practice, you're not going to be able to, you know, be holidaying in, 
you know, Italy and being able to communicate, you know, what you want on your pizza and you might end up with mushrooms, which would be awful or whatever. Um, but, um, but I think it is, it, it does require um, a commitment and a motivation and willingness from the young person to engage in it. I think it's a really active therapy and I think it probably, in some ways, it's the most active therapy. It's not something that can be done to you. Um, and therapy as a whole, we shouldn't want that. You know, that we know that the most that you get out of therapy is, is what you put in. But I think that's particularly true with DBT. And as I say, I think what it's different with, you know, from, from perhaps CBT or, you know, solution-focused work or, or even some more creative-type therapies is is its practical nature it really says okay i will give you i will teach you i will help you learn ways of managing things it's not about talking just talking about kind of what's happened it, it kind of it works alongside life so if you've had a really challenging week if something's happened with a friendship in a in your relationship with your parent in an in you know a big change a house move exams you know, any of those sorts of things, just waking up and having a really, really bad day, what it does is it says, okay, that's that's really tough. So how can we help you manage that? We're not trying to change those things. We are trying to say, okay, these are the skills to help you manage the the ups and downs and the roller coasters and the drops of life and everything else. And I think that's that's why it feels quite like a long-term, lifelong sort of skill set that you're given and I think that's why I I think it's probably yeah I love it for that I think it's about kind of giving people that those skills to do that rather than just saying we're right here in the here here and now and that's what's happening I feel like this is something that I probably should have um, mentioned in the beginning when we were talking about um like what DBT actually is but I really like the sense that it was actually created by someone who was struggling themselves um so I think their name was Marsha. Not I'm not completely like like I don't know the whole background on DBT, but I do know that it was created by someone that was struggling themselves. And I think that's really important to keep in mind when you're actually doing DBT that these skills are actually helpful. And they're not useless um, because they've been created by someone who was struggling. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, um, name is Marsha Linehan or Linehan Linehan, I think. Um, and originally, my understanding is DBT was created um, for adults, um, and it was kind of like a um, sort of a, a twelve-month kind of intensive program. And then I believe she was involved in kind of adapting it to kind of offer that sort of intervention and support for for young people. But you're right; she is somebody, from what I understand, who has really kind of struggled. Um, with managing her mental health in in ways that you know are helpful um, and that over time you know when she was in her recovery from that she then started to develop this kind of program that sort of said from a real practical point of view these are the things and that's it isn't it is that she's somebody that's lived that in the same way Chloe you know you're somebody that that has has lived the program and and seen how that's been helpful you know, and I think that's so much more important. So I, I, that's why I think the skills are much more practical. It's not like 
you know, somebody else going off and just going, well, we'll write this book and we'll try this because actually it's somebody's lived experience. And from doing my money in the group, I've certainly seen the impact that that's had. And I think, again, that's why for me, it's like such an important therapy because I can see that it's real shifts in, in how people are managing life and actually move into a life that's worth living. Another thing I want to mention about the skills is that actually they might seem quite like, oh, well, I already know that, um, but you don't know it. <laughs> so they might seem like pretty like basic, like, well, I've been told to do mindfulness before, but you don't, you don't know like um, how to do it properly. Um, and also like what we've said previously is that actually people who don't even struggle with their mental health can actually use these skills and they're helpful to other people as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think what's really coming across from the things that we're saying now is how actually there's lots of complicated words and terms that you can associate with all of these different types of therapies. But at the end of the day, DBT sounds like a fairly simple concept in that we can't okay, we can't change this situation, but here are some skills that can help. And that makes complete sense from an outsider perspective, as well as a really qualified professional's perspective. And I thought it would be a really nice place to end the podcast on if you could both share your favourite DBT skills and explain a little bit as to why that they're your favourite. Okay, so I'll go first with that. Uh, so I think my favourite one is the pros and cons, which, again, I guess picking up on what Chloe was just saying, in some ways people would go, well, of course I know how to do pros and cons. Um, but for me what it is is, so you've got a situation, how are you going to react to that situation? And if we look at and break down what are the pros of doing it, what are the cons of doing it, what are the pros of not doing it? And what are the cons of not doing it? Actually, those answers are often a bit different. Now, you might fill that in and spend the time doing that and still choose to do whatever it is. And that's okay, because it, what we've done is almost created a moment of, to pause and think. And I guess that goes back to what Chloe was talking about with the tip skills. When we're trying to regulate our, our bodies and our physiological state, we're doing that to then be able to make a kind of a more rational thought through kind of decision. And the pros and cons is the same. Often what we know for people who struggle to regulate their emotions, and one of the real things about DBT is, is to reduce the impulsivity. You know, I feel bad, I'm doing this, and I'm not thinking about the next step that comes with that. You know, we are going to feel bad in life. Okay, I'm going to weigh up what I can do and I might choose to do something different that actually has a more helpful outcome for me I might not but equally at least I've thought about that gone play um I would say um maybe DBD hasn't stopped me from doing stuff but it's given me like Sue was saying that it's given me kind of that um pause in between so I'm feeling this way so I'm going to do this it's giving me that maybe like five minutes in between rather than straight away just doing it it's giving me that 
like break in my head so I can be like oh yeah I can use these skills and like I can try and understand the way that I'm feeling um rather than just doing something really impulsive yeah and that's and I think that's a really key thing because you're right it doesn't necessarily change everything it doesn't change the things that feel really challenging in life it maybe doesn't change kind of using coping strategies that might not always be the ones that you would always want to use but to just have a moment to breathe to go we could try something different that for you know that that has a real impact I think so yeah so for me pros and cons is absolutely the one um that I think I really like um and that I really kind of try to push so I'm just curious um do you as a professional use any of the DVT skills um on a daily basis and um Ashton can answer this as well I mean awesome question and yes so I do so pros and cons funny enough is one that I use I um will try to do lots of self-soothing stuff so tip can work for me if I've gone into an absolute blind fury about something that maybe you know is just somebody driving really slowly on my way to work and I got up late and everything else um so so recognizing that need to kind of regulate sort of my my physiological my my kind of my body um so either through the use of kind of heat or cold um definitely I use that um what else do I think I use I think for me then the, the more perhaps more the i the overall bit is is trying to to ride the wave of of the feeling as well this this kind of going okay so this is how i feel and validating that's okay that's how i feel and actually sitting with that sometimes and kind of letting that kind of sort of just happen rather than pushing against that all of the time um so yeah so i think i'm trying to think of some of the others i, I guess the idea of the and we haven't talked about it really but one of the modules is about interpersonal effectiveness so how do we communicate in a way to get our needs met in a way that's helpful rather than just getting into an argument with somebody rather than just kind of you know um and for any maybe of my colleagues who know me that might listen to this I'm tend to be a bit of a stomper so I can shout and maybe be a bit cross and stomp and slam a door, but good at slamming doors. Um, <laughs> but equally, I know that that is not always helpful. But I think there is something about perhaps some of the, the interpersonal effective skill, effectiveness skills around, you know, not apologising for things, being really clear about what it is that I'm asking for, you know, recognising that somebody else may have a different perspective, but not compromising on some of those things. Um, so what I was going to say um, was not one of the things that I used to do before I um, started DBT was um, I used to apologise constantly for things that weren't my fault. Um, so say if someone said something to me and they were in the wrong and they should be the one that's apologising to me, I would say sorry to them for getting upset over the fact that which I shouldn't do. Um, um, I would say sorry for crying, for example, where actually I don't need to be sorry for crying because that's the way that I feel. Or 
okay, there is some situations where actually I may need to say sorry if I've reacted in a way that um, wasn't appropriate for the time. Um, but yeah, I was really want to, um, and now I won't say sorry for things that aren't my fault because actually me getting upset and me crying isn't my fault. Um, so yeah. And that's really great to hear because I guess what that does is that I talked a bit earlier about validation, but there's actually self-validation in that, that I feel this way and that is absolutely okay. And I'm entitled to feel this way, you know, and that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's a really important, just life skill, whether you're struggling with your mental health or not, just as a human skill, I think we're just not taught that enough. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, I would say that I still do, um, like, as a normal human being, I still do get upset and I still do react in ways that I probably shouldn't react and I still do engage in behaviours that maybe I shouldn't engage in. Um, But I do think that actually DBT has helped me clear my head in a way that actually nothing else has been able to do. It sounds like I'm advertising DBT, like, come get DBT now. Um, But, yeah. If you're on a waiting list, it's worth the wait. And I am very sorry that you're on a waiting list. Um, I feel like everyone should be able to, yeah. Um, but yeah. Thanks, Chloe. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think in terms of the DBT skills that I use, I probably don't even realise that I'm using DBT skills a lot of the time because there's quite a lot and there's quite a lot of acronyms and words for each skill as well um but there are things that are obviously really helpful for a lot of people um I use I use exercise a lot to help when my mind feels really busy it really helps get me out of my head and into my body and I always come away feeling like I've got that space to restart my day afterwards um and probably a million other things that I'm doing relating to DBT, but I'm not even aware of them. So I think I'm going a bit back. I think Ashling asked me that uh, one of the, um, what were my favourite skill was, and I think it's really important to talk about this skill. Um, so acceptance, radical acceptance um, is my favourite skill. I, I have had a lot of big changes in my life um so uh over the last I think year um I've left school I've done my GCSEs I've got my GCSE results um I'm moving house and starting sick form uh so I can't change the fact that I'm starting sick form but I can change the way that I react to starting sick form um I can't change the fact that I'm moving house but I can change the way that I deal with it um, I can't change the feelings that come with it, but I can ch- change my reaction to it. Um, so actually, that is my favourite skill because um, I really, I used to really struggle to try and like accept certain things in my life, and actually, um, using the radical acceptance skills has been really useful to me. Thanks, Chloe. That's really interesting to hear because. I'm sure we've discussed these skills before and radical acceptance was one that some young people can really struggle with. Uh, So it's fantastic to hear the impact that that's having on your life. 
and um, best of luck with all of these exciting new changes that are happening in your life at the moment. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you both for joining us today to discuss DBT. Um, it's a therapy, as we mentioned, that hasn't always been particularly well known, but it's definitely coming to the forefront at the moment with more staff getting trained in it, more young people experiencing it, and hopefully more young people benefiting from being involved as well. So thank you for joining me to shed some light on what DBT is, what it means, where it comes from and how it works. You've been listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk, or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag CamsTalkPodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.